Today on Cinema Oblivia, Snare for you, I'm Pat. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivio, your podcast for discussions on films that are out of date, out of fashion, out of print, weird, or hard to find, or whatever. Again, I'm your host, James Eldon, and who do I got back for, I guess, the third episode? I'm back, baby. Ah. It's, it's Matt. Hi, Matt. How you doing? It's, it's, your, old, it's your old friend, Matt. Back yes, again. Ma- back again with the, if the ill behavior. That, that's I think it's the fourth, fourth episode. Fourth? Well, so, oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's a, there's a, what was the first one? Joysticks. Joysticks. Oh, I, I blocked it out. Joysticks and then Killer, work, killer Workout and Perfect and then uh-huh. the one about my dad and now Correct. this one. So, yes. Correct. Okay, fourth. I'm Third move. Third episode about movie. Correct. Well, yes. Well, specifically Directly. about movies, yes. Um, so, yes. Thanks for coming back again for our, I guess, my Halloween special. Yeah, I talked you. Well, <laughs> I guess I didn't talk you into a Halloween horror movie thing, but I kind of suggested it. Yeah, one second, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. I had a weird thing. Everything's fine. Don't worry. Um, yeah, you, yeah. <clears throat> you talked me into it. We we went back and forth for a while. I think our first choice was was Zeit, was Extro. Well, you brought up Extro. Yeah, I brought up Extro. I mean, I've seen them. Yeah, um, and I was like, man, if you want to do Extro, I guess. And then it became, let's do all three Extros, and that then. Was... And then yeah. I watched Extro, and I was like, "Hey, you know what? Maybe I don't." And yeah. Extro one, you well, know, extra- really, extra- really, yeah. what happened was you said, "Oh God, this movie," and then like you kind of left it at that. And yeah. then later on, I, I could, I could feel, I could feel the hesitation in your, in your like in the text you wrote, and I was like, "I got a better suggestion." <laughs> so yeah. I sent you a different suggestion. <laughs> yeah, and it was a better suggestion for sure, and. Extra, extra one is not like the worst movie I've ever made. It has some good special effects, and sure. it does have some intentional humor in it, mm-hmm. and some good unintentional humor. There's a scene with the the scene with the whatever it is uses the bolt cutter on the door is hilarious because it's just like that old little old lady opens a door and then for exactly one second and that exact same second they they knock the lock off and that was really funny. Like I don't know why it just made me laugh, but. That's a stupid fucking movie, and yes, I didn't want to talk. I didn't. I did not want to see two or three. I don't want. I don't want. They don't get um, better. I don't want John Michael Vincent's first appearance on this podcast to be extra two. So, and that's yeah. yeah. Extra two is is just anyway. We don't need to get into. We're talking no, a lot no, about these movies. Fine, we're not talking fine. about. It's but uh, the yeah. those extra two is incomprehensible. So. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And then Extra 3 is a Vinegar Syndrome joint, which is always kind of a, can be a red flag. Extra 1 and Extra 2, you just cannot find. Extra 1's on YouTube. Extra 2's on YouTube. Speaking of movies you can only find on YouTube, today's movie. <laughs> yes. Is, which I think you ended up suggesting is Trick or Treat from 1986. There were several films called Trick or Treat. 
this is the trick or treat. treat or trick. There's a lot of a lot of things like it. Yeah, the the trick or treat from the 2000s is, isn't that bad. That's a pretty good movie. And I haven't seen the other 80s trick or treat. This is the 1986 trick or treat starring Skippy from Family Ties, uh, and about a heavy metal demon. Yeah, it's very 80s. Like everything about this movie just screams 80s. Yeah, and it screams. It screams pre. It, it screams a bit. There, there are different levels of 80s. In my right. like, you know, as as an 80s music geek, you get like the the not the 70s didn't end yet. Early 80s uh, right. of rock music, and then and then you get like the early 80s new wave scene and punk scene, right. and then you get the late 80s like pure glam, pure Reagan hell day glow nightmare. This is the mid 80s where it's kind of the transition period of. It's a little glammy, but it's still, you know, metal. And it just has a different vibe than like something that would come out even just two years later. Right. Yeah. This is uh, this is like the 80s. This is like your everyday kind of 80s. It's like not what's glamorized. It's like it's not actually flashy. It's not just it's just kind of bland. Even <laughs> so, though I was. Yeah, I was five years old when this movie came out, but I dressed like the main character in this film for a good part of the late 80s and into the early 90s. So, you know, that's relatable. Yeah, oh, I should also mention, this is, that's not the only name this movie is known by, right? So, Oh, yeah, there's Ragman? Ragman, yeah. yeah it's also is... apparently, in, I, I just looked this up, from the greatest source, Wikipedia, apparently mm-hmm. in foreign markets, it's called Death at 33 RPM, which is a pretty good name. That's not terrible. It's better than Ragman. It uh, is. Because Ragman, like, that Ragman's the main character's nickname. It makes no sense. They never uh, explain they ne- why he's They never explain that. why he's called Ragman. Like, it's, it's a terrible... Like, if he was the killer, then maybe. But he's not the killer. We'll get who the killer is in a minute. And it's kind of strange because th- that they had other names because this movie started as a name. Like, that was the, the impetus for the entire thing. The, the, one of the producers, the main producer, is... The legendary producer Dino De Laurentiis, mm-hmm. who you've seen his movies. He he did. He's responsible for the Hannibal movies. Like he owned the rights to Hannibal, and he was big in getting Italian cinema in America. Like he released uh, Knights of Cabiria and what else? La Strada, like Fellini. You know, not I don't not not Bicycle Thieves, but most other really a lot of real other really important early Italian films. He was responsible for getting them into the American market. So, and then he kind of moved on to like just releasing stuff nonstop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like, remember in high school while watching uh, horror films with my uh, my friends, uh, there was a lot of that logo. Yeah, yeah. And he he produced just running down a few notable ones: Death Wish, Drum, which is a terrible terrible movie, Orca. Uh, the 80s Flash Gordon movie, the Halloween sequels, but not Halloween, the Conan, a ton of a ton of Stephen King movies like Dead Zone, Firestarter, Maximum Overdrive, Silver Bullet. Oh, man. Maximum yeah, a lot Overdrive. Of, a lot of the best 80s, the best 80s movies and the best 80s movies of, of the Stephen King oeuvre. Yeah. Um, and then also the Hannibal stuff, which is kind of like we're, and all oh and Evil Dead Two and Army Army of Darkness so yeah you mm-hmm. know big stuff but in the mid eighties he was just pumping them out in nineteen eighty six he released seven movies <laughs> <laughs> all of which underperformed or flat out bombed except this one this one didn't make a ton of money but it made its money back 
He released Crimes of the Heart, which was nominated for a lot of awards. That has Diane Keaton and Jessica Lange and Cece Spacek. Didn't do that well. Raw Deal with Schwarzenegger. I think that was the only actual hit of them. But even then, for a Schwarzenegger film, it didn't do that well. Blue Velvet. Oh, yeah. Wait, Blue Velvet tanked? Well, Blue Velvet's an art house film. So it cost $6 billion to make it made $8 million. You know, so like. Right. It didn't that reach that. Mo- that, that made money on video. That made money in foreign markets. This right. movie, something called Taipan, which I've never heard of. It was filmed in China. It was a nightmare, I guess. Manhunter, which, it, which will be on this podcast, I think, either the week before this or the week after this episode. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, okay. Yeah. And the 80s King Kong Lives sequel with Linda Hamilton, which is absolutely atrocious. So, <laughs> you know kind of found a lane and kind of and kind of ran with it. His his idea for this movie was, hey, this would be a Halloween movie called Trick or Treat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's very like surface level Halloween based. It's it's yeah. a classic like it takes place around Halloween and there's crazy stuff happening. So, yeah. We'll call but, like yeah. Yeah, but 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 like the the, the main the main crux of the film an evil rock star comes back from the dead, like has nothing to do with Halloween, like absolutely nope. nothing. Yes. And so to get, the, he got the idea and then he hired two people, Michael Murphy and Joel Swayson, Swayson. I don't know how to say his last name. They were writer producers. They worked on nightmare on Elm street Two. Dino De Laurentiis saw a nightmare on Elm street Two, And it's like those guys. <laughs> Heck yeah. He was like, I want that, but a little less gay. <laughs> I mean, we can go into all that. Like that that's a I'm sure there's been plenty of books written about that in Nightmare on Elm Street movies. There's a fantastic documentary on Shudder called Scream Queen about that actor. Um and the the fallout from that movie. Nightmare, I I was not being making a joke there. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, in case you don't know, is an incredibly gay film. Oh and- yeah. I mean they kind of all have a vibe. That's more of a vibe. Like I've seen less. <laughs> I have seen less gay vibes in gay bars. Like <laughs> fair I'm enough. Not, that is a gay. I mean, I love Nightmare on Elm Street too, but that is a that is a gay ass movie. Um, <laughs> so you know, good times. Uh, but that he he they they got some treatments. They didn't like any of them. They asked the the friend for ideas. One of their friends, a guy named Rhett Topham. Gave them this idea, and they wrote. They all three of them. Yeah, go ahead. What that, that name? Yeah, Red Top. Yeah, that's a. That sounds like it could be a star in a movie. That like. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it, his idea, and all three of them wrote it. Red Topman hasn't done that much. I think he wrote Nine Seven Six Evil, and okay, yeah. an, an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Most of these guys haven't gone on to like huge, huge, huge work. Uh, one of the producers, Michael Murphy, somehow he he had a production credit on District Nine and, and the Dread, the Dread, the newer Dread movie. I don't I know how that, that happened. He also produced Bill and Ted, so mm-hmm. he's on those movies. The other guy, man, Joel Soisan, he has embraced the shit. Like he lives it. He is he has written the Prophecy Three, Highlander Endgame, Dracula Two Thousand, and Dracula Two and Three, Mimic Two. One of the Hellraiser sequels, Hollow Man 2, Pulse 2 and 3, a Children of the Corn sequel, and Piranha 3 Double D. Oh, man, that is some... Oh, that's prime. Those are some movies right there. 
That's rough. But although I, hey, who knows? Maybe Hollow Man Two is better than Hollow Man because that is that movie. Anyway, I <laughs> I've seen some garbage in my life, and I've seen terrible stuff in theaters. Hollow Man is the only movie I wanted to take a nap in while in the theater. It was. Ugh. I remember they they used to show. This is very niche for us, but when BGSU or Alamana had that movie channel. They would show Hollow Man like a, a movie channel of BGSU. They would show Hollow Man, Hollow Man a lot, and it's so it's so creepy and boring at the same time. It's so creepy and boring and has awesome special effects. So right. it's kind of a good movie to watch in the background because it's also terrible. Um, but yeah, Hollow Man, yeah, Hollow Man Two. Who, why? <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of the. Some of the behind-the-scenes people on it. And then the director, really interesting, is uh, Charles Martin Smith, who is Toad in American Graffiti. <laughs> like the little guy. He's also the little guy in Untouchables. The accountant. Who, um, one, like the one, of the, the, the one of glasses, you know, who gets killed in the elevator. Spoiler. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, but he wanted to pivot in direct, into directing, and this was his directorial debut. And he took it Mostly because he got he got he was able to do it. He he really had no interest in the material. From reading, I found some interviews with him. No interest in the material. No interest in genre films. He was like, "Hey, they gave me a job. I took it." And quote, "It was a hoot." <laughs> he enjoyed <laughs> doing it. They made it on budget, uh, on time. So because they had, he got the Dino De Laurentiis got the idea in November of '85, and he's like, "This is coming out in Halloween next year." go that's that's a pretty fast turnaround yes but charles martin smith also directed air bud oh hell yeah <laughs> now, now we just need the crossover oh no air bud how would is, is air bud dead in that and comes back or does air yeah. bud fight uh, i think air bud has to fight sammy kerr i mean <laughs> yeah i mean how many sequels to air bud have that been Oh, I'm sure. Direct a video. There's got to be at least three, right? Oh, way more like than three. I think. I mean, whole... I said at least three. I think there's like a whole spinoff series now. Now we have to look up Air Bud. So yeah. the Air Bud. Let's see. There's no rules against making sequels. For yeah. It, so so. The Air Bud series has a Wikipedia page. So there are five Air Bud films proper where okay, he that's, plays. That's, I was close to with my three. Basketball, then American football, then soccer, then baseball, then volleyball. And then baseball, I guess a I don't, fielder. I I would imagine he's a fielder. Um, I want to see him a pitcher. I want to see how that works. If he, well, if he caught a ball, might break his jaw anyway. And then Wait. there's the Air Buddies, which are about his puppies. And so those are just like cute puppy films. Although here's the plot: to, these all seem pretty simple at first. Like rescue their parents. Oh, an Alaskan adventure. They walk aboard an, an alien rocket ship. There's a Wait, magical what? there's a magical icicle threatening Christmas Eve. Halloween and <laughs> Halloween in Fernfield, uh Indiana Jones style adventure, and after a after acquiring rings that grant them superpowers, the buddies must use them to stop a vicious alien dictator. And then what the, they're <laughs> live in hell. And then there are the Santa Paws movies, which are prequels to Santa Buddies, which is a separate there's a lot of Air Bud. It looks like the last... Wow, there's deep canon here. Yeah, it looks like the last Air Bud-related film was in 2013. So maybe they are done with Air Bud. But he only did the nope. first Air Bud. 
Charles Martin Smith. It's got to wait for the 30 year cycle, then they remake the original, right? And then they can CG dogs. Oh, man. Um, Charles Martin Smith only directed the first Airbud. He, he, he moved on. Uh, recently, he directed A Dolphin Tale, which I, I, had, had, I don't know what that is. Me neither, and I haven't heard of it either, but that came out in 2011. It stars Harry Connick Jr., Ashley Judd, Chris Christopherson, and Morgan Freeman, and it made $100 million. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of dollars. And then he, there was a sequel, Dolphin Tale 2. This is a movie about a dolphin with a, this is a, a true story movie about a dolphin with a prosthetic tail. Okay. And hence, hence the name Dolphin Tale. Sequel okay. only made sixty million, but it still made money. So hey, man, sixty million is a lot of I, still I a lot know, of money. I know, and um, he's he's still pumping out movies. Looks like looks like he's kind of found a family family lane here. He's kind of sticking with. But hey, man, pays the rent. So yeah, yeah, sure. he made something called A Dog's Way Home in twenty eighteen. Now I'm in Japan now, so I, any of this stuff that isn't coming here, I don't know about it. Dog's Way Home, also Ashley Judd, Edward, Edward James Almas, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Wes Duty. Hey, I like Wes Duty. Um, he was he was Saget in the uh, Street Fighter movie. Um, that made oh. $80 million. Okay, so he, he makes family movies that are reasonably successful. Yeah, it would appear that way, so good for him. This is not a family film. So very away from what will become his wheelhouse, I guess. But I think he does a good job here. Like the yeah. movies, yeah, it's a well-made movie. You know, for, for his first movie, it's like solid, especially for this kind of era of like low-budget horror film. Like, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, and it's very low budget. It was like less than three million dollars, so they they really kind of squeezed it out there. Uh, I think it also looks good because the cinematographer is Robert Ellswit. He's an Academy Award-winning cinematographer for There Will Be yeah. Blood, and he's on a lot of huge movies. So one of his first things and i think you know shooting in d- super dark scenes and making it look good on a low budget is very difficult and you yeah. watch a lot of bad horror films so you know this oh yeah 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 like you could tell this movie has talent behind it it's just you know it is what it is so they do a pretty good job with what they're working with yeah the script isn't great but it gets, it gets the job done so and then two more people I want to talk about behind the scenes, and we'll get to the cast. Um, you wanted to talk about the special effects guy. Yeah, it's uh, Kevin Yeager. So tell me about who, Kevin Yeager. Um, I, I mean, I can't say I know a ton about him. He's just he's just kind of like a like a movies special effects kind of classic, really. He things things. So he worked on this, mm-hmm. <laughs> which no one's ever heard of. But like he did. Uh, uh chucky right like a child's play like that's oh. his thing right he, he, the doll is his his effect he he did like the ef- effects on face off so he does oh, like okay. a lot of practical effects a lot of like um there's a couple more that are big let me maybe bring them up here real quick yeah I, i'm looking uh, at it now he he does he did a lot of the nightmare sequels not the right. first one and like he a lot did... of classic horror like you know skin effects and stuff like yeah. that he's Hidden. pretty well known for the hidden that's a great movie the bill I mean, he did effects on bill and ted because yeah, bill and i'm ted. assuming um uh, you said what's his name also worked on bill and ted so i'm gonna guess that maybe yeah. they came up they knew each yeah, other so a, they... yeah that, that that comes up a lot here I mean, nepotism is good um well i mean it's a small industry so small, you get no, to know somebody it's the right kind of nepotism like it's you right. know work with people you, you if you can do a special effect on a cheap budget and the director you worked with or the producers making another horror movie on a cheap budget he's gonna call yeah. you but I mean, having worked on a couple of small indie horror films, 
like effects kind of make or break it. So if you know somebody that can do the thing and they you could trust each other, like you're gonna go with that person. And working on a lot of small indie horror films, I bet there are a lot of people who don't, don't know what the fuck they're doing. And yeah, wanna, I mean it can go real real bad. And you want to avoid them for your next feature. So yes. But yeah, he does a great job. The 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 bad guy in this is the kind of the electrified zombie rock star, and he kind of has a Freddy Krueger light look going on. You know, like yeah, yeah. I think I think my favorite part is it's supposed to be like it's hard to tell what he's supposed to be exactly. <laughs> if you're trying to classify, right? Was it like is he is he a, a a spirit, a ghost, a demon, a devil? Like what? I I don't really I know him, what to I call, call him. him. I call him the heavy metal demon electro. Yeah, but like yeah. it's it's kind of cool because it like he, we should probably get to like do we want to do a plot synopsis so people know what the hell I mean, we're talking about. Quick, first? Well, we'll get into more detail. The movie's about a kid who accidentally brings a dead rock star back to life who wants to who uses the kid to kill people basically, like and using the power of a backmasked record. Right. And, yeah. It's, it kind it kind of has the vibe of like this was the rock star's plan all along somehow. Yeah. But, like, yeah. It's it's a. Uh, the the plot, I mean, going into more detail than that kind of breaks the movie because it doesn't make much sense. And well, like, like, the beginning is somewhat interesting in that, like, there's a kid who's, like, the classic picked-on metalhead in a high school in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And his hero is this rock star. And it, yeah. it's, like, they make sure made it a little more interesting than just mm-hmm. that because that's kind of like, oh, whatever. It's the hero, this, like, rock star hero who's kind of, like, this classic vulgar 80s rocker uh went to his high school. Yeah, that's an interesting and and I wish they would have done more with that. Like I wish yeah, they would have I mean that was like, kind of the whole thing with like he was this rocker was going to play the Halloween concert at the yeah. high school and then the PTA and everyone got up in arms and like banned him from doing it. That's kind yeah, well, of like the crux of the whole thing. Yeah. But then but then the you find out kind of matter of factly in the same news report that he's dead. He died in a fire. Right. Yeah. Like oh yeah, by the way, Eddie's dead. And <laughs> That makes the the kid. The kid is uh, named Eddie Wayne Barr. He's played by Mark Price. Mark Price was Skippy from Family Ties. Um, which which I did not remember. Like remember that one. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Family Ties in so long. So when you told me that, I tried to watch some Family Ties episodes don't do, today. Don't do that. Don't do that. Boy, was that a show! My, my Michael J. Fox's character is like that oh, oh, whole yeah. thing with the eighties yeah. and the yeah. Uh, oof. I mean, yeah. 80s, 80s family sitcoms have aged terribly. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved Growing Pains. I'm not going to watch it now. I assume it's quite bad. But, you know, it was, it was a style at the time. But yeah, he hasn't done much. He's in, he's in the Killer Tomatoes Eat French. That's, that's not the one of George Clooney. <laughs> and he's done some sketch comedy. He did a Legends of Sitcom tour with Jimmy Walker and Marsha Warfield. That's Roz mm-hmm. from Night Court. I don't know yeah. what that is. But, you know, some... Not everyone can be Michael J. Fox. I'm oh, sorry, Mark. Sorry. He's, he's good at this movie. Really random, but I remember, I forgot, Kevin Yeager also did Crypt Keeper, which is like a big thing. Oh, sorry, that yes, was... that is important. No, no, that's important because Crypt Keeper is like a legendary effect. Everybody yes. knows what Crypt Keeper looks like. like that's, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. A good, it's a good effect, yes. But um, from one dead thing to another, Mark Price's career. Um, I'm sorry, Mark <laughs> Price. That was, that was not nice. But no, I mean, he's good in this movie. He plays a, she plays like a shitty little, you know, metal. I have, I have known this kid. Like yeah. in school, like he is very much a, a a type of a character, and even into the '90s, like I I, I hung out at the lunch table with this kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this kind of kid was the kind of kid I hung out with, and was kind of partially this kid. Like, yeah, 
it, it's this it's pathetic but hey it is what yeah, it know. is <laughs> yeah i was never that outwardly a metalhead to be this kid but like most of my friends wore the megadeth t-shirts and you know, we all had Trent's coach and like, you know, we would have been yeah. if we would have been in high school during Columbine, we would have been, you know, taken aside by the principal and like, you doing OK? You, you, you want to talk? You know, it, it definitely, definitely that that crowd. I mean, that's my crowd. But and then the bad guy, Sammy Kerr. Yeah, is this guy's awesome, by the way. This guy's, yeah. The the Tony Fields plays him. Tony Fields was a dancer. Um, yeah, and, and it's a shows. very good one. Yeah, yes, it shows. I have never no '80s rock star moved like him, except maybe I don't know Winger. <laughs> but there, Winger, yeah, right, yeah, no, like he was the theatrical version of what the rock stars were trying to do because this guy could actually dance. Like this, this man could move. Yeah, he has a good energy. He was in a few other things. He was in some Michael Jackson videos. He was in Captain EO. Yeah, uh, right. Small acting roles. He 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 was in Solid Gold. He's a Solid Gold dancer. He's a Solid Gold dancer. So yeah, do you remember Solid Gold? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I it's not yeah. like really my thing, but yeah, like that. That I mean, yeah, Solid Gold was huge. There's a picture of me after I broke my legs when I was two in in dual tracks and casts, laying down in front of the TV and watching Solid Gold. <laughs> nice. I'm I'm two. <laughs> I feel like you uh, you dropped a lead, and he was in. Uh... He's also in Thriller and Beat It videos. Yeah, yeah, I said some Michael Jackson. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know who he was. And it was probably just one of the one of the zombies, or one of the gang members. But yeah, the one I, I, I mean, take it for you will, because I saw this. I was looking up that guy when I was watching the movie with my friends. Uh, that like supposedly, like he did some dancing for Bowie at, or not Bowie, but uh, Freddie Mercury at Freddie Mercury's request. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a that's like, a good that's a good poll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like oh shit. Yeah, he was good. He does these great backflips and like jumps and like pirouettes and like I he's cool. I I would say the one thing against him though, he's he's not very threatening. He I don't he is a sometimes like when he's when he's holding a guy by the neck and's going to kill him. That's, you know, kind of scary, but he's just so theatrical and focused on giving a good performance, I think that he's not really intimidating until he can electrify people with his with his hands. Right, yeah. Like he's got that kind of vibe of um he's got the like like Iggy Pop or like um well, I can't think of his name. Like he, he shows up in uh Wayne's World. What the hell's the name of that guy? Alice Cooper? Uh, yes, Alice Cooper. He's got Alice that Cooper. kind of vibe about him, right? He's like he's supposed to be creepy, but he's not kind of creepy. He's just kind of kind of that rocker look to him. He's really skinny. Uh, so like yeah. Yeah, he's like a glam, yeah. a glam Alice, like more more glam than Alice Cooper. Right. I, I feel, I do feel like he is kind of a, the style of the character is a little bit ahead of its time for '86 because I think he's kind of playing a glam, a more a sexier version of Twisted Sister. And sure, yeah, yeah. that would be that would be Poison, and Poison right. is still. A, Poison is still a few years away from being huge mainstream. I I do wish they. I think D. Snyder could have killed this shit. I think he would have been great in this too, like from Twisted Sister. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, yeah. But I think like getting a dancer like made sense for the movie. Yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. It's you know it's two different ways to view the role. I think he's kind of you know kind of more like a snaky and the way he can move around and that is a that is a cool look. And then when he gets electrified and turns into the demon electro, it's it's a good combination. Unfortunately, this guy. Go ahead. What are you gonna say? No, that I was just like yeah, when we get into like him. 
often people uh, yeah sorry anyway yes i know where you're going with this so go for yeah it. sadly he passed away very young in the 90s with um, age age-related illness so yeah he was uh i feel like he was another one of the victims of the 80s aids epidemic where yeah all yeah, that stuff yeah sad sad Possible transition to other people in this movie. Now that we'll get to the big one, we'll we'll save the 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 smallest but best roles for last. Um, the there's a woman in this movie, his the girlfriend, some Le- Leslie played by Lisa yeah. Orgoloni. Not she's fine. She has nothing to do. I just wanted to mention that this woman has been in more TV shows you've never heard of than anybody else on the planet. <laughs> I looked up her filmography. She was on. Now I'm going to ask if you know any of these shows. Okay. Okay. Screen one. No. Perfect Scoundrels. Like the movie? Perfect Scoundrels. Not Perfect Nothing. Strangers or... Yep. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, no, that, that's... Diff- nope, nope. Unnatural Pursuits? No. The Good Guys? Not the movie that came out recently, I'm assuming. No, no. Harry! It's <laughs> just called Harry? It's just called Harry. Not uh, Harry and the Hendersons? No, and not Harry, H-I-R-Y, Harry with a, you know, like a name. I wonder right. if, really, I wonder if that's a Harry Anderson gig. Let's see. Um, let me see. Harry, 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 Harry. No, not, not Harry Anderson. So, yeah, who the hell cares? Wow. Um, <laughs> yes. Game on, Space Precinct. No, yeah, wow. Just, yeah, I would love. I wonder what's man. Oh wow. Oh that's oh Space Precinct is a live action show by Gary Anderson. That's the Thunderbirds guy. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, not everyone can. You know, TV's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody else. Somebody who did much better in TV is the best friend character. Roger Marcus is played by Glenn Morgan. This is his only acting credit, but I think he did good otherwise, don't you? Did you, did you yeah, see no, his, his friend, like, this character is actually really interesting, too, but yeah, he yeah, plays yeah. it really well. Yeah, I think that, in, in the world of the movie, I'm this guy. I'm the dorky dude who's into metal, but not that much, and doesn't really have a style, just kind of, you know, wears yeah, the whatever. Cool part about, yeah, the, like, the thing I loved about his character mm-hmm. is he plays this, like, the friend, but he's, like, the most supportive friend. He's, like, as far as like how high school kids are portrayed in movies, especially in this era, like this kid's got his head on straight. He's like talking his friend, trying to talk his friend down from like his crazy theories and like yeah, telling yeah. him, Oh, the, like when the, when the main character learns Sammy Kerr dies, his friend like knows that he might take it hard and like yeah, tells him like, yeah. Hey, you, I thought you might take it hard. <laughs> if you need to talk to me, feel free to talk to me. Like this is, this is a really good friend. I, I, I wonder if the actor brought any, to the role because Glenn Morgan is not an actor. This is his only acting credit. He's a writer. Mm. And he wrote 21 Jump Street. He wrote oh. he, was a, he was a writer and producer on The Commish on uh, Space Above and Beyond, on The X-Files. He, created, he is the creator right. of The Lone Gunman. He right. also I, wrote I that. he also wrote Millennium and he wrote the script that became Final Destination because Final Destination was an X-Files script. 
Mm-hmm. So, and also, chops. also Space Above and Beyond, which I watched, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> think anybody else in the world did. Uh, a lot of people on this were also eventually on Space Above and Beyond or, related, or kind of tangentially. I think this dude pulled from this movie a lot because a lot of people in this movie worked with him later. So good on him, too, for doing that. Some other small roles, nobody really of note until we get to Nuke. <laughs> who, who is Nuke? Who is Nuke in this? Nuke is a DJ played by uh, Gene Simmons. <sighs> yep, uh, Gene Simmons' second appearance on this podcast after <laughs> Runaway. Uh, it will not be his last. Hopefully, in the future we do Never Too Young to Die, and then we can talk about him there. <laughs> yes, I think I ranked his '80s films. Um, because I have seen he's in five movies really as an actor in the '80s, and I haven't seen one of them, but the. This I the best is never the best is never too young to die without question that movie's amazing, yeah. And then then Runaway Runaway's fun, and then this at number three as the third best. Then Red Surf I have not seen Red Surf, but I know it is better than the fifth one Wanted Dead or Alive, which is an atrociously bad film. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Rutger Hauer plays a bounty hunter who's hired by. Uh, who is the actor in that? I think it's the dude from... It's like a oh, reverse no, no. Blade Runner. Yeah, it's Rutger Hauer's a bounty hunter hired by his boss at the CIA, Rob, who's played by Robert Guillaume, that's Benson from Soap, mm-hmm. <laughs> to hunt down Gene Simmons, who plays like a vaguely Middle Eastern terrorist. It's really... Ugh. It's yeah. racist as hell. It's not... Like and like, I can look past that sometimes because like Delta Force is dope and that movie has problems. This movie is dog shit. Complete... It's, it's no Never Too Young to Die is what we're saying. No, Never Never Too Young to Die also problematic in many ways. Oh yeah, but absolutely. But in, but in ways that I can laugh at. One Dead or Alive is just terrible. But Gene Simmons plays Nuke. What is Nuke's role in this film? How does he play in this? Like, what is he? he, he... What is it? The gatekeeper? What's what's in the the the, the, the storytelling? Is the, the well, uh, yeah, he's essentially he, he gives the record of Sammy Kerr's last recording to the main main character. Like he gives yeah, it to Eddie. Yeah, so Eddie Eddie is distraught over Sammy Kerr dying and goes to see his friend Nuke the DJ. And Nuke just hands him a, the last unreleased record, the only copy apparently of Sammy Kerr's last album, and it gives it to this kid. Yeah. Supposedly and- he gets an acetate. That is not an acetate. That is not an <laughs> acetate. <laughs> trust me. Like, I, have yeah, I trust you. He, he's, they, 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 it was, that's hilarious that they even say, hey, this is heavy. It's an acetate. Like, no, it's not. Because acetates are noticeably thicker. Like, thicker than 180 gram vinyl. They, are, they don't have a shine to them. They're kind of dull. And also, acetates, you can only play them like 10 times. Right. They, they 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 wear out, especially if you decide to play them backwards. So, like, don't give an if it's a, if it isn't acetate, don't give it to some shithead kid. What the, what the, what the, what the, no, no. I knew no. I knew you were gonna like have things to say about the like actual like music like this physical media and stuff like that from this movie. I'm, yeah, I I, that's why I feel like this is such a great movie for you, for you to watch for this. Yeah, we can get into the movie proper now. No, no one else really worth really talking about. But like, yeah, he's. He's bullied at school. Well, I mean, oh, there's what, one what? last person. Oh, who, who, who did I forget? Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy, yes. I f- 
So <laughs> he's not really in the movie, but he's oh, in the also, movie. Yeah, on TV. Also on TV, Large Marge. Yes, Large Marge. Large Marge is there too. Ozzy play Ozzy plays an evangelist, which is great casting, and he's actually really good. Yeah, and (laughs) actually, both Gene Simmons and Ozzy are hilarious. Honestly, Gene Simmons, some of the like lines he has and the way he delivers them are kind of hilarious because like his lines are specifically trying to tell Eddie, the main character, to like chill. Like it's about like his hero worship of this rock star and like, Hey man, he's just a human. He doesn't actually, you know, and it's like, this is hilarious coming out of Gene Simmons. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think Gene Simmons is a pretty good actor. When he has to do as a villain, especially he's a great villain character in this. He's not really a villain, although he is indirectly responsible for countless deaths. Um, But He's more like Wolfman Jack. Like, he based his character here on Wolfman Jack from American Graffiti, which is hilarious considering the director of this movie. But he, he's good in this, too. And, and I, I wish, you know, maybe he could have found a better acting career playing character parts. I don't know. I, he's good. I, I'm surprised at how good he is because he's a shithead and an idiot. Yeah. I feel like he could have he could have had a bigger career, especially in, like, the horror movie industry. Like... Yeah, maybe he didn't want to get stuck with that. Oh, I think the bigger issue is, yo, you know what makes more money than movies? Being in Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can only keep up the Kiss lifestyle for so long, but I guess he's done it for quite a while. So he's whatever. still doing it. I found, I, as I mentioned in the one-way episode, I found an interview where he's like, I don't want to be in Kiss when I'm 50. Well, I got bad news for you, dude. Um, <laughs> he was in an episode of Millennium also. So okay. I bet that happened because of this movie. Because Probably, of yeah. Roger, Roger Mocus. Also, mm-hmm. we're going to get into full spoilers here, so the movie's on YouTube, so just go to YouTube, watch the movie. It's, 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 it's fine. easy. It's, a fun, it's yeah. a fun Halloween movie. It's a fun little silly Halloween movie that we're going to spoil now and talk about and maybe make fun of, but still, we, we still like it. So Eddie gets the record and goes home, and what, what happens? Well, like, initially, he... So, wait, he, he listens to it a little bit, Yes, and he hears the bat. I think he hears the back masking early on, mm-hmm. and he's like fiddling with it a little bit. He doesn't, but they don't really have him listening to it like whole hog yet. I don't think. Yeah, the but back like masking, he, he notices the back masking. He wants to say because he almost gets killed by earlier in the movie. He almost gets killed by the bullies. Like yeah, he so literally, like it's a big thing. Like him getting bullied is real, real big. I mean, it's like big plot point in the whole, in the yes. whole movie. And the um. When he plays the record backwards, he, the record kind of tells him what to do to the bullies. And it works. He, he gets his revenge, kind of, you know. But, you know, you, you get advice from a demonically possessed vinyl. Um, bad things are going to happen to you. And yeah, then, he goes, then he goes all uh, Spider-Man 3. Is it 3? Where he's like, <laughs> yes, all, he all of a sudden has all this confidence. Yeah, all this confidence. And that is hilarious. Like, the transformation there is, is very Spider-Man 3. We forgot to mention the name of the record is great. The name of the record is oh, right. Songs in the Key of Death. 
which is a great joke. That's a play on Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life. Um, that's a good. That's that's a good record nerd joke. A plus, good good record game on whoever whoever did that. But he he tries to stop it. The the revenge gets more and more sinister. He he makes that tape. Right. Yeah. The so, t- but when he's still trying to get back at the bullies, he makes a tape of it and gives it to the bully as like a peace offering. Yeah, Tim. Tim. Yeah. And, but I don't really know. Like, they don't really. I don't know what he thought was going to happen with the tape. Yeah. Like, like that's the thing. I like this movie. There's a lot of things that happen. You're like, how did anyone know that was going to happen? Or like, the, you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah. Because. The girl, the the bad guy's girlfriend plays the tape. It hella turns her on. <laughs> it, well, so it's weird. Like, yeah. this is another one of those things where you're like, is this? We don't get really like the the supernatural powers that are supposed to be happening yeah. here. Because it's like she's listening to it, and then it's totally ghostbustering her. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like. All of a sudden, like green misty stuffs coming out of the headphones, and like she's getting all hot, hot and bothered by it. And it's like this. This is just like someone like that scene in Ghostbusters and put it in a car instead. Yeah. But then her then a demon appears and her ears melt. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know what that demon was. Like, yeah. is that supposed to be Sammy or not? Like, does it look nothing like anything else in the movie? It was very just like, hey, maybe like, hey, Kevin Yeager, can you make some cool ass monster for us? And he's like, hell yeah, we can. Maybe it was Sammy's bass player. I don't. I don't know. It could have uh, just been like. Uh, it could have just been like, "Hey, uh, Ke- Kevin has this cool thing he didn't use for a different movie. Can we jam it into the movie in this movie somewhere?" And you're like, "Hell yeah, why not?" Yeah, I, I like to imagine. So, what would have happened if Tim would have listened to that tape? Would he have just? Been, oh. Would he have just in his car just jerking it? That's. Uh... <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> that, was that, that's that... what we need. The like alternate scenes. <laughs> Because that's the kind of scene that if you if you if you change the genders or the if you change the sex of the character, man, it takes it the tone the tone changes. It's <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but but then also why did it melt her ears off? Like yeah, it's not really it, explained either. No, none of that's really explained. And, and why doesn't Tim like when when this when this tape turns his girlfriend into a horny demon whose ears melt? Why doesn't he just dis- why doesn't he destroy the tape? Like he he brings the tape back here, Eddie. You almost killed my girlfriend with this. Here, you can have it. Yeah. Not just that, but he like that night. Like his concern is, I would assume that you take your girlfriend to the hospital and then you stay there to make sure she's okay. But no, let me just leave the hospital to go yell at this guy about this tape. Yeah, like, you know, your first. Also, he doesn't see any of this happen. No, he, he doesn't. Just go, he he gets into the car and sees her like you know messed up and then immediately assumes that the tape in the in the like listening like in the walkman that she has is the cause this crazy thing to happen like that is a couple leaps of logic like yeah good good on him because it was but holy crap i mean other stuff happened beforehand like he almost was killed by in the in the machine shop with eddie so Maybe he he put two and two together. Although uh, Tim, the vi- villain, not that smart, so I don't know. I do also. Tim is about to have sex with Jeannie and then gets out of the car and <laughs> to no, go pee. I think <laughs> that's a long a a long pee. And Very B, much so. B, I don't think a teenage boy in the world would do that. <laughs> I, yeah, like 
it was like we need a reason for him to get out of the car. So yeah, this, I guess. It, it could have they could have done anything else. It's like who cares? I guess at the same time, though, like Sammy comes to life more because Eddie spills coke on the record, and that <laughs> makes an electrical surge. And this is when you really start to see the full like powers and limitations of Sammy. He's an electric demon from hell. He's like the yeah. gremlin. He's like the electric gremlin in Gremlins too. I love that they picked like electricity as his like power instead of yeah. like fire because yeah. he's a, he's a, he's a rock musician, right? Like yeah. he plays electric guitar and like ele- electricity is such a fun not often used like power, I guess in quotes uh yeah, from horror yeah. movies. I loved it. Yeah, it is a, it, I I feel like they have a hard time kind of figuring out how we can work with it. Like, especially at the end, which we'll get to later. But if I feel like once he's out, I feel like he should be out. But he's out for he, he gets out of the tape for a while, because because Eddie Eddie tapes the record because he's not that much, he's not that much of a dumbass. Also, Nuke has a tape of the record too, which comes into play later. And, yeah, I mean, like, I guess we should bring that up because, like, at the very beginning when he gives him the the original acetate, yeah, he's <laughs> like, "Oh, you can't give me this. You need to play it. You you were split. You have to play it on Halloween at midnight." Like that was Nuke's promise to sammy kerr is to play the record at midnight on halloween and he's like no i have a tape so don't worry i, I taped it so it's fine take this original one of a kind of pressing right <laughs> uh, i'm so as a record collector that that's i don't i'm i'm so i'm unnaturally upset with that line it's just something about it just, i know <laughs> the biggest know. horror in the movie is that just giving an acetate you know how much acetates of you know how much acetate test pressings of albums are worth like, Probably a lot, especially for things people actually want. I have seen Beatles acetates in Japan go for twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's some of the rarest records in the world. So the idea of like this rock star who just died, and I'm, 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 I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. It's just, it's just, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it goes against everything in my being. But yeah, Eddie, Sammy comes out of the record for one minute, terrorizes Eddie, then goes back in the tape and. I forgot they, why does why does Eddie give the tape to Roger? Why can't he destroy it? Oh no, he's grounded. That's right. So 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 he does. So the the Tim the bully doesn't give the tape back mm-hmm. to Eddie. I'm he I was right. I was so, wrong. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. So so what happens is, um, Eddie who's grounded now <laughs> knows that the tape is a problem because Tim got to his house and yelled at him. He calls his friend Roger. And he says, "You need to do this for me." Like you, you have to do me the biggest favor. You need to go break into Tim's car and get this tape, and destroy it. Yes. Uh, and Roger's like, okay, I'll commit a yeah. felony. I'm He's a like, good friend. Yeah, I'm the best friend in the world. So yeah, absolutely, I will do this for you. So, so Matt, you know me. Even you, you've known me as a as a music geek my entire uh, the entire time we've known each other. If mm-hmm. if. If I called you in, at college and I was like, okay, you need to break into Tony's car and you need to get my Smashing Pumpkin CD and I, I can't tell you why. <laughs> <What would>, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably. Like, if, if none of the weird, crazy supernatural stuff happened that happens before this that Roger also kind of saw, then like, I'd be like, sure, why don't you ask Tony? I can, yeah, what does Tony's car look like? I don't remember. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Also, it's finding just, a car in that BGSU parking lot is like a needle in a haystack. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, it is a strange favor. but And he tells Eddie he destroyed the tape, but guess what? He didn't destroy the tape. 
He yeah, plays Eddie. Eddie for some reason ex- doesn't explain to Roger why. Well, maybe I don't think. Maybe he thinks Roger wouldn't believe him. I mean, he's already proven to be a pretty good friend. So, like at this point, this is on Eddie. <laughs> That's a good point. I I love what happened when Roger plays the tape and Sammy comes to life. That's an amazing scene. That's probably my favorite scene in a movie. Are we talking about with Large Marge? Oh, well, just the, the play between them is great. It's and he, good, yeah. He, he, he threatens, he tells Roger he has to play the tape at the Halloween dance or he'll kill Roger. And he pull, and Large Marge, and that woman has a name, but <laughs> it's Large Marge. <laughs> he pulls her body, he pulls her out of the TV, and she's like, the same proportions of she was on TV, so it's like a like like not yeah, a, full it's a tiny size. large Marge. It's a small Marge. Small Marge, a charge, a a a charred Marge. Yeah, charred um, Marge. And he throws <laughs> it on the ground, and then later when it cuts back to Mar- when it cuts back to Roger, he's vacuuming it. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me just geek out a little bit about that effect. It's okay, really well done. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's a great effect for that for that era of of film and that budget, like the fact that he like reaches through the TV, grabs that, that, you know, woman pulls her through the TV. And as he's pulling her through the TV, she gets like charred up. And it like, looks like it's just a really well done, funny, like unexpected effect that like, at that point, like I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this might, this, this just took this, this movie up a notch for me. Like it was hilarious. And I do feel like also that's when the movie, kind of goes to the next level in terms of the body count especially and while everything involving Eddie is still played pretty straight I feel like the movie gets a lot goofier on purpose from this point forward and I to the movies I think and that saves it because this movie's a lot like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 in that at one point like in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy just shows up and murders a bunch of people and the almost the exact same scene happens here. It's better here, but it still feels kind of out of place considering what the what the villain has been doing up to this point. But right. it's such a great scene otherwise. The the Halloween dance massacre, as it should as it most likely went down in that in that in the in the world of this movie, that's a Wikipedia page. I really wish that they they focused more on the dance because like there's no real through line as to why Sammy Kerr wants to do any of this other than revenge, like revenge on behalf of Eddie. But and like, I, I think also revenge because it's his high school, too. Right. But he, he was also supposed to play this dance originally, yeah, like, but yeah. they, they don't really harp on that. That would have been nice if they like really gave i mean it's a really shallow reason for sammy kerr to do any of this but like at least it's something and they should have like really harped on like this was his show it was his chance to come back to his high school and like be the star kind of thing it would have been nice and 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 when you see footage on tv of sammy kerr alive he's testifying in front of congress because i think this movie is also playing on the pmrc 
scandal, the the congressional, the Tipper Gore and the congressional congressional hearings against porn rock. You know, that's what Ozzy's saying too when he's on TV talking about pornographic rock music. And when you see Sammy on TV, he seems like a smart guy and talking about you can't how you can't legislate morality and how it's better to grow up to be a rock star than a politician and, and he's wearing a suit and a tie and, and well, I mean not a tie but a suit and he's he's kind of coming off like Frank Zappa when Frank yes. Zappa spoke at those hearings but when he's a demon he's just like I'm gonna kill you because metal right, right. because of metal, metal tapes Right, and like they have Gene Simmons's character Nuke like try to explain this. Oh, him, him, and his for some reason him dying in a hotel fire was all, all his fault. Like all uh, not Eddie's fault, but all Sammy's fault. Like oh, he did this to himself. And it's like I don't really get a vibe that Sammy was was bat like there was like that oh here's the showman and here's the real person they mm-hmm. try and they go out of the way to show that but then they like try to imply that actually no he's a bad person but like i don't know why they well, do that because nuke, nuke yeah. says that samuel was always angry and right he says he did it himself i i think i bet there was a version of this script where it was a freebasing accident <laughs> maybe <laughs> and I'm, I'm not well that, this is right after versus prior almost died the same way yeah so okay. it could have been a, co- a drug thing it could have, he could have, maybe there was a version where he drank and was smoking, or who knows. I, I mean, I, I could do, see that, but they may have changed it because they got, you know, Kevin Yeager on board, and he could do a lot of really cool effects, so they have Sammy Kerr throughout the whole movie have, you know, burns on him. Yeah, Wicked Burns and Spandex, yes. So, how, let's talk about, let, I think, transition here. We have to talk about Sammy Kerr's triumphant return to his high school. Oh my god, uh, it's so good. It's the best scene in the movie, and... I, you know, as I get older, like scenes where a bunch of teens get massacred, I don't, I don't like it as much. But this is great. <laughs> so. It's just hilarious. It like makes no sense, like the way anybody's reacting to anything. It's so good. So, 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 um, Roger goes to the school and puts the tape in the PA system, like like Sammy made him, and then the local band, the Kickers. <laughs> Uh, take the stage, and those are cameos. A lot of those, like one of the guys in the band, is is the is the makeup guy. He's the the, okay. the lead singer, is yeah, the makeup Jaeger. guy. Is, is it, yeah, is Jaeger. And so when they start, he's tuning. I love super real. You see this nobody band at a small venue, and they get on stage and tune their instruments. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything's feet giving him feedback instantaneously, and they're like, oh, hold on, feedback, and not knowing how to work this stuff. And then, but before they can finish their their warm up, what happens? Sammy Kerr takes the stage after, well, taking care of Kevin Yeager's character. Yeah. Sammy Kerr <laughs> materializes out of the off-brand Marshall amplifier. That I love how the, I forgot what the name they use, but it's clearly a Marshall amp, and they they cut out two of the letters and moved them <laughs> or something. It's clearly a Marshall amp. He comes out of the amp, kills the lead singer on stage. Yep. Well, it's cool. No one cares. Fling, flings his guitar up into the air dramatically. Nobody like th- maybe the audience thinks it's a Halloween show, but like the band, <laughs> the band yeah. just kind of goes with it. <laughs> yeah, they're just looking at it like, huh? Okay, yeah, that's crazy. And then he starts playing the song, and it's pretty good. We'll get to the we'll get to the music in a minute. Song's not bad. Good singer. The guy, the 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 actor who's playing Sammy Kerr is not singing. That's somebody else. Right. Yeah. Um, very much. Yeah. Yes, very and kind of obvious. 
lip syncing, not great. But then, uh, then the guitar it it turns into an evil twisted sister video instead of instead of like you know how like in the video for we're not gonna take it like the power of rock music turns everyone into twisted sister and they like destroy the principal and and everything. This is the power of rock music kills the kids in the audience. <laughs> Yeah, he like he uses his guitar as like an electric gun. He's like plays and like electric electricity shoots out the top and like explodes people. Yeah, they instantly explode. And my favorite when the first one explodes, everyone around him is like, "Oh, cool! I can get closer to the stage now." Like, <laughs> it takes quite a, a few people freak out instantly, but it takes a while for everyone to catch on. And the band doesn't stop playing until he nukes the drummer. Right, yeah, the band's just going with it. Yeah, it's like, this is fucking metal, man, all right. I mean, I will give Sammy Kerr some credit here, because at the very beginning of the set, before he starts playing anything, he tries to get the whole, like, crowd clapping thing. And, like, your drummer is supposed to back you up there. That's why you have a bass drum, man. You're supposed to be helping the guy out with the clap. You put, you do the bass drum to get the crowd to clap in the... So, yeah. honestly, he, just, he, just, he kind of deserved it for that. Yeah, he does... Some of the people he kills, he kills the the teacher with the with the mustache. That's a director, and uh, so that, that little cameo there. I love Humpty Dumpty. Oh man, when they <laughs> so, also these these Halloween outfits for these kids in the eighties, they're like yeah. so perfectly mid eighties. Oh, There's like yeah. one girl dressed up in a special K cereal box, which is the, the most eighties like homemade costume you could ever think of. Well, the mom, the mom has the mom. I love the mom, like the the the, the actor. The, I feel like the character of the mom. She's she she is a realistic like nagging mom, but still a human being. She's going to her Halloween party with her boyfriend, who's dressed like Rambo. And she's, she's the dressed least like, Rambo looking guy ever. And she's dressed like Madonna, and they're both, you know, in their mid forties, and it's great. It's I love yeah, this, them. This scrawny balding man dressed up as Rambo. And she's this this middle aged housewife dressed as early material girl Madonna. It's just like, yep. I want to go to there. I you think that was a key party? Oh, it's like in um Hocus Pocus. Never seen Hocus like, Pocus. Oh man, the like parents party are like, what the hell party like? No, no adults go do a party like this when they're anyway. Whatever, you should just see Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I, I, that's Bette Midler, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I should, I should. I'm, I'm acquired. Um, yeah, you should definitely watch it this Halloween season. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll check it out finally. But yeah, I it, the Sammy is let's nuking people up and right. He's jumping off the basketball hoops. He's having a great time, man. He's living his best undead life. And yeah, this is where the, you hiring a dancer really pays off. Yeah, I guess you're right. This is like, like someone like D. Snyder. D. Snyder could have been intimidating here, but he wouldn't have the agility and like this the movement. He would just be like the he. If D. Snyder plays this, then it's Jason. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I can't. I guess Sammy is more like Freddie in that way too, because Freddie can move. You know, Freddy's not just walking right. in the shadows like Michael or Jason or Leatherface. Like he has an agility to him. So another another analog to Nightmare Two. And then Tim and Leslie. We haven't even really mentioned Leslie because he doesn't do she much. Doesn't, right? It's classic '80s like love interest where they don't do her any justice. No, they show up. They they break the circuit box. They think Roger dies, but he's okay. They. They have the tape and they think everything's okay, but then they remember that Nuke is going to play it at midnight. 
And this almost yep. turns into the ending of Halloween 3. This him on the phone. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. But doesn't stop in time. And oh no, Sammy's back. And just kind of jumps out of someone's house. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, well, I guess we should explain that apparently... Sammy can come out, like eject himself from any device playing the songs. So but like, once he's but once he's out, he seems any place that any place that has an electrical current, he can just yeah. travel. And that's the weird thing, because like they get rid of him in the high school by destroying the fuse box, but he's not connected to it. Right. And it's like, just like you know, and the electricity doesn't just travel through the air. <laughs> like, yeah, like when he goes he, back home, he's like destroying all of his radios and stuff in the house. Yeah. And, and a toaster for some reason. <laughs> he's like, let me destroy my, my stereo and my this shower radio and then this other radio and this toaster. Sammy Kerr, your leg Lego my egos and smashes the toaster. It's the 80s. Okay, this is also when he when in that scene, that's actually also where they learn. Sammy Kerr's real weakness. What 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 was it again? I forgot. It's water. Oh yes, that is electric. Because I'm, I'm they, an idiot. Yes, right. They trip okay. him in the bathroom and as it land, lands in the toilet. Oh. And he's like, oh, he's like freaking out with his hand in the toilet. And then they should have done two takes on this because he puts his hand in the toilet and they learn, oh, this is being affected by this. And the actor. God bless him. It was probably like off balance and like mm-hmm. raises his arm out of the water, and they like I guess in the scene flush the toilet, <laughs> and like supposedly his hand gets sucked into the toilet by way of this flush, which is like the most absurd looking thing because it just didn't. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not. It's not going to sell ever. Like that. That whole like scene didn't work, and it just. I felt bad for the actors trying to sell that scene. <laughs> yeah, and that's again like kind of the uneven third act and like they play so fast and loose with what can hurt Sammy and what can't that you end up with contrivances like that where it's yeah. just like we have to get these kids out of the bathroom so the toilet's going to hurt Sammy. And we have to have Sammy come back. Okay, he's going to jump out of this house that's probably playing the radio and then kill a cop. That cop is wearing rubber-soled boots. Yeah. You, would, that, yeah. would that help? That's, all that, that's why it's all that was left. Okay, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Yes. And then they go to the radio station, nuke is nuked. And mm-hmm. they, they, only got, they probably had Gene Simmons for one afternoon. Yeah, because yeah, Gene Simmons does does have one scene in this and Ozzy is only on it he shows up I think two times but only and there's a post credits joke with him and he's only on the TV but if you if you do find a DVD of this they're on the cover <laughs> of course <laughs> of course in classic uh you know let's 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 uh in bad capitalism fashion so yeah but they're barely in it and then so Genie not Jeannie, Leslie, Jeannie's the other girl. Leslie mm-hmm. has to destroy the radio station at the same time that Eddie takes the car with the police tape and drives it into the water. Right. Like, his plan is to drive, is to convince Sammy Kerr to materialize in the cop car mm-hmm. while he's driving it, and then drive it off of a bridge into the water 
And then at the same time, for some reason, Leslie needs to destroy the like reel to reel in the and, in the radio station. And uh, Sammy can't materialize out of the car for some reason. And right, yeah. he also is trapped behind the security grill, like like uh, Eddie accidentally put Sammy in a Faraday cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he he didn't materialize in the passenger seat, but in the back. It's like that was just bad planning on Sammy Kerr's part. Yeah, it's yeah, I, you know, Sammy Kern, not the brightest zombie electric demon rock star. And then Eddie drives the car into the river, and they, they all live happily ever after. Never mind the fact that Eddie is implicated in multiple deaths. Um, yeah, right. He goes back, and he's the new DJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It all ends happily. He graduates and becomes the DJ, taking over the job of the man he was responsible for killing. Well, actually, you know, this is all Nuke's fault. Like, <laughs> okay, I mean, fair enough. I mean, Nuke gave him the thing in the first place, so. But I, he didn't know there was a demon in it. Did he? It's Gene Simmons. Okay, fair. Okay, what's, well, what's okay. G- what's sure, Gene, sure, sure. What's, what's Gene Simmons' kiss character's name? Actually, I have no idea. The demon. Okay, well, I he's assumed after that, but he's the demon. I, so the, the, can't say the, I really am a big fan of Kiss. I mean. It, Kiss Alive's are an all right record. I, I'm not gonna. And Detroit, Detroit Rock City is a great song. So I, I think I've watched more Gene Simmons movies than listened to Gene Simmons music. If you want to see, <laughs> if you want to see Gene Simmons at his absolutely most terrifying. Watch the Kiss video for "Lick It Up." Okay, which is about what you think it's about. <laughs> and I think that's the second time. Every time I mention Gene Simmons, I mention Look It Up. I'm gonna so when we do the Never Turn to Die episode, I guess we're gonna have, before we do the Never Turn to Die episode, Matt, you have to watch the video for Look It Up. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I uh, oh, does this mean that I am uh, the guest for a Never Too Young to Die episode? Maybe that could be my. I don't. I mean, I have a lot of people who want to do that. Maybe that can be off my first like more than one guest episode. I don't know. I feel like because Never Turn to Die, we're going off topic, but that movie's so. That movie's amazing. That movie is <laughs> the best kind of it's bad but still actually good but still also really bad. Like my, with jo- my, with John Stamos and my oh. wife my wife Liz is currently working on a TV show where one of the actors uh uh, uh Godfather is John Stamos. <laughs> and she mentioned uh, never too young to die to this person. It's like, Oh, have you watched never too young to die? I'm like, no, it's like, you should watch that movie. Oh, Oh, Oh yes. 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 And record their reaction. Uh, anyway, let's, 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 let's stop talking about never to die. We did not talk about the music in the movie. Um, right. Yeah, this is this is right up your alley here. Yeah, so a few I so a few things about the music. According to Wikipedia, and this is not a confirmed source, we were t- I was talking about D. Snyder. Originally, Blackie Lawless was going to be the bad guy. Blackie Blackie is the singer from Wasp, but that didn't work out. So when it came to th- time for the music, yeah, because Blackie didn't want to do it because he didn't want to allegedly. Blackie didn't want to lip sync someone else's music, which makes sense. He's a he's a rock star. 
So they got the band Fastway. Now, you don't know who Fastway is. <laughs> I listened to their album when I first saw this movie. Because I'm like, oh, I'm going to see if this is an actual band. It's like, oh, it's an actual band. It's like, oh, yes, this is 80s music. It's So Fastway is <laughs> a weird band. So Fastway is, was founded by Fast Eddie Clark from Motorhead and Pete Way, who was in a band called UFO. So Fast Eddie, Pete Way, Fastway. That makes sense. But Pete Way quit the band <laughs> before <laughs> they even recorded anything. But they kept the name. Pete Way so and Fast. Up- yeah, this yeah. Well, this was way fast. Um, but Pete Pete Way eventually joined joined a, started a band called Wasted, which is also a good joke. But he played for Ozzy. He played for a few other bands. He's like UFO is a pretty good seventies rock band. I, I recommend some of their stuff. And of course, Motorhead's fucking rad. But mm-hmm. Fastway's first album, Fastway, it's not bad. It's it's yeah. it's, it's totally fine. It's for it's a little ahead of its time in, in the type of metal they're playing. I think it's kind of an earlier glam metal than you'd seen '83, but everything else is pretty bad. <laughs> um, I feel the songs in here get the job done, but yeah. I'm they're not- they're not bad for like the movie that they're in. Like it, it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, this could be way worse. Like this is this is music made by actual musicians so like yeah like this this kind of works it has the right sound it has the right vibe it's not too over the top yeah and it has every 80s singer sounded like that guy yeah um which is hilarious because that's the dude from flogging molly yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't that is weird like my stepbrother likes flogging molly so i i've heard a bit of flogging molly and like Flogging Molly is Celtic punk rock. It is as far removed from 80s glam metal as you can possibly <laughs> imagine. And I don't, oh, that's, I wonder how much, I wonder if anyone has ever asked him, and what's that guy, Dave King? I wonder if anyone's ever asked Dave King about Fastway post-1986. <laughs> I, that might be like, if you sit down to interview Flogging Molly, like his representatives are like, now you can't talk about Fastway. <laughs> <laughs> can't talk about Fastway. You can't bring up Trick or Treat. Yeah, well, I'm Nichols about If you can't talk about Fastway, you can't talk about Trick or Treat. Yeah. Um, it's it's your keep, in. It's like a side route. It's like the secret side door of talking about it. Please don't mention any Irish drinking jokes. And you're okay, we're good. So I don't, because Flogging Molly is super Irish. Um, but it's, 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 it's a weird choice. Fast, I, I don't, maybe they could get them. Maybe they were cheap. I don't know. Because someone knew somebody. I'm mm-hmm. sure, like, a lot of these things, it's, it's like, because, like, originally, yeah, like, they probably, at, they talked to some people. People probably knew people. The way all this always works, yeah. right? They're like, yeah. eh, no, I can't do it. But, hey, you know, my friend from over here, he, let me ask him about it. And, you know, that kind of thing. I'm yeah. guessing and, that's probably how it and, happened. And that might be I, another thing that's not, not sorted on, on the Wikipedia is that Gene Simmons was also offered that role and turned it down. And right. that 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 make, I think that's too on the nose. <laughs> at that yeah, point, he said the he didn't he didn't think the script was good enough. I'm like, dude, really? Dude, the, the you and Warner Dead or Alive, you shut the fuck up. This is the better <laughs> this is a better script than Warner Dead or Alive. I, I I feel like in Eddie's room, you see all these posters of bands that almost all of them could have been good too. Like right, yeah. I can, like early Anthrax, that would have been good. Uh, um, what's his name from from Motley Crue? Um. Uh, oh yeah, Vince Neil. Vince Neil could have been good in this. 
Um, maybe not anyone from Megadeth. They're too drugged up. Uh, yeah, Megadeth was not the right sound. Yeah, that too. Now, okay, Rob Halford from 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 Judas Priest. He could have yeah. nailed yeah. this. Yes. Also, he would bring the theatrics because Rob Halford is a is, is a is a huge queen. Uh, I, I not that's not a negative. I'm not not being negative. He is. I saw him. I saw him live. Oh God, a long time ago, during the Nostradamus tour, and he came out in a sequined monk's robe. So like <laughs> that's that's would, great. I mean, he's hell bent for leather too. So like he would look amazing in this. And or Lizzie Borden, like the singer, like the or good glam mm-hmm. band, like a lot of those bands, any of those singers, I think could have done a good job also. But they wouldn't have, I guess, the theatricality and the agility of the uh, what's his name, Tony Fields. So I guess yeah, I, I mean, Tony, know, Tony Fields did a really good job. With yeah, he does the character. So I guess Tony Fields does a very good job of the character off stage too. And I don't know right. how much you would have gotten that with a, a, a full on rock star. So I mean, a lot of those rock stars were pretty theatrical as well, like their mm-hmm. stage presence. So they probably could have pulled it off, but like honestly, hey, like but, I said, can, it, to, but Tony Fields does a good job. Yeah, I think they could do. They could look menacing, but could they act? Like, could they deliver lines of dialogue and not stare at a camera? You know, it's those kind of things. I don't trust Brett Michael to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, I don't. I don't trust Vince Neil maybe to do that. He would look good on stage. Especially '80s Vince Neil, yo. But yeah, maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, I. It's a dumb movie, but it is fun. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. it's it's if you're looking for uh, you're looking for something kind of a weird horror movie that you haven't seen, like for the Halloween season, you could do worse. And again, it's on YouTube, so you can watch it that way. So one weird thing about this movie is when I was watching it, there's a, so there's a scene in the movie, Eddie's almost killed by the bullies. They, they put right. a weight, they're, they're having an unsupervised pool party at night at the school, yeah, because that happens, yeah. and they put a weight in his backpack and throw him in a damn pool, and they nearly kill yeah, they him. Yeah, like, they straight up try to murder the yes. kid. And he gets out, and uh, is it Leslie at that point trying to console him? And right, yeah, because he was invited there by Leslie, by Leslie. She's, like trying to play nice with him. Yeah, and then he almost gets killed by the bullies. Yes, and then and then, and then she saves him. And then she, they're in the parking lot, and he says, "What? Let's all fuck with Eddie because that's real fun, huh? Bunch of fucking assholes." I'm sorry. And I had to pause the movie because I recognized that line, and so I went to whosampled.com because usually when I recognize a line from a horror movie, it's in a Rob Zombie song. Okay. <laughs> you know, this is on the latest Avalanches album. What, really? That line? That line, just that line, just once, no real context. I, it's on the song Born to Lose. Off um, the new Avalanches album, the latest Avalanches album, 
We will always love you. Sidebar, that album is amazing. And so like this, this movie, that line was in, in the song. Just this line is in that song. And the avalanches are kind of like, you know, they're sampling gods. Like their first album is all samples. Um, and this album has many, this, this album has more original stuff in it, but still a ton of samples. And just to have that one line, no context, <laughs> so up <laughs> in an avalanches album. I mean, good on you for uh, for recognizing it. At the I time. listen. It was funny. I listened to that album like maybe a week before, so maybe it was back in my head. But that album's great. It's my favorite album from last year. So if he, and apparently maybe Trick or Treat was big in Australia because <laughs> I think they're from Australia. But anyway. Other heavy metal horror films. Have you seen any? Uh, I believe I've seen Rock and Roll Nightmare. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that's with Thor, right? Yes. That's that, that um, giant idiot. <laughs> is it Slumber Party Massacre 2 that has the like. Oh, <laughs> has yes. like the kind of rock. You know, you know who loves that movie? It's like the the drill guitar, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the drill tar. Yeah, but God, you know, you know who so... you, you know who loves that movie? Me, my boyfriend. <laughs> okay, Bob. <Yeah>. Really? <laughs> okay, it. that's somewhat surprising. He thought okay. it, it was, it's not British and there's no Jimmy Irons, but he he thought it was hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. It's a great movie. Crystal Bernard's in that. Anyway, yeah. So the, those two. And uh, I think somebody who worked on Rock and Roll Nightmare might have also worked on, yeah, on same person made a movie that I recently saw called Black Roses. And okay. Black Roses is on Shudder. Okay. If you want to check that out, that's about a dynamic rock band who turns the kids into town. It's kind of like the Pied Piper meets Children of the Damned kind of thing. Um, it's not a good movie. When I was a kid, the box scared me because the box was like textured, and I think the oh, yeah. eyes on it might have lit up, like Axel had lights in it. Um, Wait, what in the box? Yeah, I guess this was like the rental copies. Yeah, the rental copy, and uh, well, a couple was Dead Pit did that too. Uh, a full moon feature that had light up eyes, but and I think that movie has that that movie does have Lizzie Borden on the soundtrack. And mm. King Cobra do the music. So that has a bit more rock and roll like credentials in it. It's a terrible movie. Oh, also Big Pussy's in that from The Sopranos. Uh, he gets eaten by a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. So like, if you, I, it is. If there are some newer like heavy metal related horror films, including that realistic that one based, based on a true story, Lords of Chaos about mm. the uh the death metal scene and and i think in in somewhere in europe i forgot where but yeah slumber party massacre 2 that's a gooder yeah that that it, it's not really about this movie but watch that movie yeah and i would say yeah rock and roll nightmare is terrible i didn't like yes. that uh blood roses is kind of in is is also not a good movie but it's fun 
So you can you can get more out of that. Don't watch. There's one with Alice Cooper, Monster Dog. Don't watch Monster Dog. <laughs> now, now I'm looking at like rock and horror or like heavy metal horror movies, and I'm like, did I see this? Like, I may have seen Demons, but is that actually like a? Well, Demons has a heavy metal soundtrack. Right. Great soundtrack with Motorhead and Billy Idol and a lot of stuff like I'm that. I'm pretty sure I've seen that one, but yeah, right. Monster Not Dog quite. has Alice Cooper, and that's from the director of Troll Two. Uh, so no, don't, 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 don't. It's better than Troll. I don't know actually. It's terrible. And I guess Fam in the Paradise is a rock horror movie, but it's you know right. that's not I really he- that. that's not really heavy metal. So right. no, no, I, a great if you're planning. This is going to go up before Halloween. If you're planning a good, like, if you want to do a heavy metal Halloween, I think go on YouTube and watch this, and then on Shutter, watch Black Roses. The both, I would say, watch, watch this second. It's better. <laughs> um, and then watch Slumber Party Massacre too, because that's just amazing. Oh, uh, well, uh, apparently there's a remake of Slumber Party, Ma- Slumber Party Massacre out now. It's supposed to be very good, so I do want to see that. No, no it got good okay. reviews. I haven't seen it. All right. Um, it has a great tagline. The tagline is "You you know the drill." Oh, yeah, boy! And it's it was it's supposed to be kind of feministy, and it's supposed to be good. I do want to see it. It's gotten good reviews, so okay. hey, who knows? All right, so is, that, is Matt, it a, sh- a Shutter original? Because like that's on sci-fi. Okay. Uh, so I don't know how I'm gonna watch it here in Japan because I can't that uh, the um that that won't get also, me there. Like, as another like note, like we are talking about Shutter. Like, if you're looking for like horror movie stuff during. October, like get Shutter for a month and then cancel it afterwards. Like it's it's a pretty good service. It's got a lot of really good stuff on it if you're looking for some horror movies. Yeah, Shutter has some interesting stuff. Sometimes the quality is not great. I feel, yeah, but it's like four bucks for the month. It's or something like four like that, bucks. So. Also, and I'll mention this probably next week. I'll mention this next week too. Um, Paramount Plus. I just re up for that at the five buck level. If you're only gonna watch movies, get it at the cheap one because you don't have to deal with ads. There's only ads mm-hmm. on TV shows. Paramount Plus has added. So much garbage, and I mean that with love. From <laughs> oh, awesome the sixties to early nineties, so many TV movies, so many straight to video things, and so if you want to like really dig into some four by three SD trash, oh um, man! Like I said, I think I, I think I mentioned this. We'll talk. We'll Twitter, talk. Off, like, we'll talk. Yes. Yeah, I should like plug if you're like into that kind of thing. Plug uh-huh, my friend's yeah, book. Yeah, plug your so, friend's book then. Yeah. Uh, uh, I believe it's Are You in the House Alone, which is like, make sure that's the name of it. Are I think that's name? on Shutter. I, mean, I, th- I think well, that's a, on Paramount. This is a this is a book. I know, but wrote. I think that's named after after a movie. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, but it's like that's what it's called. It's called Are You in the, are, are You in the House Alone? Yeah. Oh. and I, I I recommended it for that kind of stuff because it's 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 a bunch of great like write ups on a bunch of TV movies. Yeah, she has a good blog uh, website made for, made for TV mayhem. So. Yes, yes not, that's it. Made for TV Mayhem is a good place to go to as well. Yes, I yes, not to go too off topic, but yes, that that's all good stuff too. <laughs> Please let me wrap it up now. Um, but yeah, check this movie out. I, I it is dumb, fun, and you know, if you want to see more special effects by the guy that made, uh, you know, the the muscles in UHF. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. We didn't really talk uh, about. Mo- yeah, go ahead. A movie that has a it's better then it really has any right to be probably because the people involved with it are actually pretty talented. Yeah. Also really quick. I do want to mention that like when this came out, it did okay. It made about $6 million, $7 million against 3 million made money. And all the reviews were kind of like us. They were like, eh, you know, yeah, why not? 
<laughs> it's like yeah exactly that's per- a perfect review yeah a lot of a lot of two two and a half star to three star reviews of like you know it's not great but it's better it's not that gory because that, that was a big backlash in the 80s of too gory it's not that gory it's fun it's well made you know and every review, every review that hated it said the same joke more trick than treat because this is before Google. You couldn't see if somebody else stole your line. Anyway, I think now we should wrap up. Matt, do you want to say like people can find you online or not? And that's okay. <laughs> more time for me. Uh, yeah. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Lost Turntable on my website, LostTurntable.com. And I'm back on YouTube after a court <laughs> mandated hiatus. And I've been updating that relatively relatively frequently with videos about record stores in Tokyo. And I might be doing some stuff about a rare and hard to find records that I have too. So keep checking that out if you can. But that's it for this episode of Cinema Oblivia. I'll see you again in two weeks. Yeah.